0: Welcome back to Expert Instruction, the Teach by Design podcast where we dive deeper into the research surrounding student behavior by talking with the people implementing these practices where they work and with the students they support. I'm Megan Cave. The first day of spring is March 20th, so that means it's time to plant my snap peas in the garden and it's time for your school to take some surveys. Springtime surveys like the Tiered Fidelity Inventory and the School Climate Survey give you an opportunity to reflect on the work that you've done this year and an excuse to start talking about what you want to do next year. Now, once you have all those data collected, I'm talking feedback from students, staff, families, fidelity data, Swiss data, intervention data, how do you even begin to make sense of it? Where do you start? No, I'm asking you. I don't know. (laughs) But I guess that's why we invite the experts on this podcast, right? Joining me in today's episode are Hannah Anderson and Luke Anderson. Hannah is the Director of Innovation School Programs and Accountability for the Rockland Unified School District in Rockland, California. She oversees state and federal programs like Title I, homeless and foster youth programs, and she leads the district's PBIS leadership team. Prior to joining the Rockland Unified District team, uh, Hannah worked as a principal, an assistant principal, an instructional coach, and a teacher in various urban and suburban settings. Luke is the Senior Director of Prevention Supports and Services for the Placer County Office of Education in Auburn, California. He oversees the PBIS and Multi-Tiered System of Support Regional Initiatives. Specifically, he specializes in using data to improve outcomes in school systems. Luke is a data nerd which we're very excited about. He is also a statewide Swiss facilitator trainer and a member of the California PBIS coalition leadership team. Before he joined the County Office of Ed, Luke worked as a special education teacher, a behavior analyst, a school psychologist, and a PBIS trainer and coach for one of the largest school districts in California. In this episode, the three of us are talking about action plans. Specifically, we'll explore which data Luke and Hannah love to use, the questions they ask their teams that jumpstart those important conversations, and what your team can do right now to ensure that you have the data you need to create your best action plan ever. I appreciate you guys taking the time to join us and talk about action planning and all of the ways that you all have done it with your schools. Um, I think it's, it's a useful time to be talking about it um, as we're getting into spring. And I know just from casual observation that uh, action plans, I would assume can happen really anytime, but that, typically we see folks spending some time with them in the fall and then again in the spring. And I wondered, well, number one, is that true? And then number two, um, if it is, is there something that's different about the types of action plans that you might create in the fall versus the types of action plans that you would create in the spring?
1: Yeah, Luke, you want to jump in on this one first? and.
2: Oh, sure. Um, so, you know, when I, when I was first thinking about this question, I, I thought, I, you know, maybe there aren't big differences, but, you know, as, as I reflected on how schools approach action planning, there really are big differences in terms of what we're trying to accomplish, I think, during both times. So, you know, from a, from a PBIS perspective, I think a lot of times in the fall, we're thinking about making sure we're, we're launching things well you know, focusing on on instructional techniques, make sure we've taught everything really well. Um, and again, getting these things installed that maybe we worked on uh, over the summer. Uh, and then I think as the year goes, we see some shifts in action planning. Um, you know, in, the, in the spring, we may start to evaluate how the year has gone and start to make some plans for next year. We may be action planning to think about what's our next... Um, tier we're going to install at our school site. So do we need to do some readiness um, for next year's work? Uh, and I think those are the, some of the differences that we've seen schools do during that time. I'm interested to hear what Hannah has to say too, just thinking about it from her, her perspective.
1: yeah Yeah, it's interesting you know my perspective on it now as a district leader i think has somewhat changed in terms of how i how i remember using it as a teacher and then how i remember using it as a principal um, and how i've seen some other uh, sites use it you know the interesting part about action planning and goal setting is that it really truly is this time to do what we as educators do really well, right? We we like to be reflective. We like to think about where have we been and where do we want to go, and how has the work that we've done gone? And what I love about some of the assessment tools, you know, specifically within you know the TFI and thinking about how do we, it really helps us evaluate how our system is, um, how we're doing, right? Yeah. And it, and it lays out a very clear roadmap for where we want to go. Um, so I think about in the, in the fall time, I, you know, I completely agree with Luke. It tends to be a lot more detail specific. Mm-hmm. You know, I see teams and I recall as a principal saying, you know, we took a TFI and it's like, what do we need to, what specifically do we need to work on? What are three things we're going to accomplish this year? Right. Versus when we take in the springtime, we have this great opportunity to look back over the course of the year and take that moment to really be celebratory. Like, did we accomplish what we said we were going to accomplish? If yes, awesome. Let's celebrate together as a team. Right. And with our school, and let's bring that to them in a meeting. Um, If no, that's okay. And this may still be a goal area for the future. I also think that spring goal setting is great too because it helps you. I, I think maybe this is one area where I, I might um, be somewhat different in that I think the spring is a great time to be big picture mm-hmm. about where do we want to see our school go next year or in three years or in five years. So, kind of instead of being that detail specific that we get in the fall time, the spring is really look back and celebrate and look forward in a big picture way to where do we want to go in general
0: yeah i think too what i'm hearing when i think about where i'm at in september i personally feel like i've had some space there's like i'm i'm kind of i come with like a renewed sense of interest in doing something, you know, positive and and accomplishing some real things, you know. So by the time I get anywhere in September, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Here we go. And then in the springtime, I'm a little, it's been a, a it's been a year, you know, and I'm not necessarily in the headspace to be like, what can I be doing right now to like finish the year strong? I'm really more inclined to be reflective to see what it is that that we've done um, and how we might be able to look forward, like you were saying, Hannah, and um, and do something better or different or more in the fall when we're ready to like come with fresh eyes and a renewed spirit to actually accomplish some of these things. So, so as we're sitting down, so, With that in mind, right, that we've got kind of two different time periods where we're being um, where we're considering the work that we have in front of us and how we're going to approach it. Are there things that you like to have in front of you, data sources or uh, people at the table that you like to have in front of all of this as you action plan, both in the fall and the spring, but specifically, I think right now in this time as schools are starting to sit down and do this work.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because even as you were just talking, I was thinking about the conditions for action planning are really important, right? Say more about that. Yeah, I think. So one of the things that we have tried to do in our district is establish uh, opportunities for sites to action plan in protected spaces. So they'll be released for a school day or a half of a school day to come together as a team and sit among other teams and then take time within that agenda to to talk about to to, to actually, you know, take some type of an assessment tool, right, and then use that for their action planning purposes. And, you know, as you were just talking too about what does the end of the year look like and how you're more reflective, I actually think it can be if you set different conditions for your team, you can actually be really forward forward thinking about where you want to go, uh, if you're taking it after school at a really rushed time, right sure. before, you know, open house or some type of um, school activity, right, in the land of reality where things are happening at schools, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think in that case, um, it does tend to be a little more like we're taking this for, for the purpose of taking it <laughs> yeah. versus for the purpose of action planning. So I guess kind of thinking about those conditions, right, you've you've established protected time, like here, Um we establish some protected time for our school teams, mm-hmm. have it on the agenda, and then help them gather the things that they'll need uh, in the room or give them time to gather those things. So we use for our action planning, mm-hmm. um, the tiered fidelity inventory for whatever um, for uh, whatever tier uh, that team is, right? And then we also uh, have recently gotten into using... Um, some of our data that is gathered in California, the California healthy kids survey data, but I think that that could be, you know, any data that gives you um, kind of student perception data at a okay. school site level, yeah. um, some type of climate survey essentially. Yeah, great. And then, yeah, and then we also, um, sometimes will actually bring implementation data from previous action plans too, and have found that that's very effective. So we keep action planning templates or tables essentially. And so sites can take a minute to talk about what have we done? What action steps have we accomplished within this? Because that helps them know, you know, maybe you're still a one on the TFI, but you've accomplished so much and you're ready to take kind of that next step. Gotcha. So when
0: you were talking about um, the conditions in the space, you're talking about having like, like several schools coming into one area, teams coming into one area where they have dedicated time to work specifically on that.
1: Yes. Our fall action planning, to the to the greatest extent possible. It's been a little different uh, recently, but um, our fall action planning, we had gotten into a really great cycle of releasing our teams in cohorts. So we would have, you know, maybe five elementary schools sitting together, um, taking, uh, using whatever tools that they had right in front of them, um, to establish action plans, and then having one district-wide document where we. Uh, tracked that so that our coaches, um, who are really all of us, you know, I'm a site coach, uh, a lot of other principals in the district are site coaches. So, where we could have one space where we're supporting teams in the implementation of their action plan throughout the year. Yeah, I
0: like
2: that. Well, too, I was thinking about what, what Han was saying around the protected time, Megan, and it kind of comes back to the that fall spring question a little bit for us at the, the technical assistance center, because we think about when do we have time to do different tasks and so we we start the action planning process of thinking about what are we trying to accomplish um and we get so busy in the year that that we you know a lot of times what we're trying to accomplish is making sure that we're showing up to the right place at the right time you know and and we have the right data to give people um but then sometimes too we you know this time of year you know in march for us we start thinking about again next year and so we we enter action planning with this idea of let's use this moment to start prepping for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think of it almost like as like a off season in sports, right? It's, it's we're not going to be, we're not going to be playing every day. We're not going to be supporting every day. We're going to have a little bit more space to, um, to reflect on our practice, to pull the data that we use. And um, just like Hannah, we, you know, we pull the TFI data. Um, we're pulling implementation data from schools and we're approaching action planning with that aim in mind and you know to that point too even from a, a school perspective you know we had a school contact us a couple of months ago it was a, a school i knew well uh, one that i had started my career at that had come and gone with PBIS and they came to us and they said we're thinking about starting again mm-hmm. all right so we're we're entering a different kind of mindset when we're actually planning with that team we're thinking about all right what is it that they need to have a good start um, and so we, we used a, a tool, the, the, the FIS that the we're lucky to have access mm-hmm. to, and we administered that tool, which gives us good kind of user, user input from teachers and students. And we said, let's just get a feel for the, the extent that the adults and the students like what's being done right now. Yeah. And to what extent do they, do they know what's in place. And so we got this really incredible data where every teacher essentially at the school knew exactly what the school wide expectations were. And most of the students said that they did, but when they reported what they thought they were, there was this, this great mismatch of data, right? <laughs> so we're now stepping into action planning with this idea that we're creating and supporting buy-in for um, really relaunching PBIS through, through collecting data. Um, and so that was really helpful for taking some next steps with that particular school site. Yeah,
0: no kidding. Those, um, the FIS, that survey that you're talking about, it's got those really great open-ended questions that kind of expose what it is that people actually think is happening because they can say yes or no to a certain question or, or grade something on a scale. But then when you actually say, well, can you say more about that, you get a sense of what that is number or what that initial response actually means. So it's, it's an interesting thing to include some of that um, qualitative data um, in action plans, perspectives.
2: Yeah, and I think it helps us go a little deeper to think, you know, I think a lot of times we think about the absence of problems as being success, but I think it also gets at this point of like, do the students like Do they actually like expectations, right? And we have to think about that. Like, we should think about to what extent do they find it affirming? Does the community find it affirming? So a really neat tool.
1: Yeah. I think in those spaces too, it's always interesting to see, you know, how the student's data matches or doesn't match the adult's data in the building, right? Right. And, you know, that's true of so many things, but if what we're doing, you know, is only working for students and it's not working for educators or vice versa, right? That's an incongruence we have to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to, and we have to grapple with as a school site, right? And as a district of, it's is this having the impact that we wanted to have, right. right, on our campuses? And and if not, right, then now we may have kind of a difference in opinion and, right, we're not necessarily getting the, the um, implementation that we want to see. Mm-hmm. And it's a launching point for some of these discussions that we're talking about because you can
0: see it in front of you that this feeling maybe that you have, that it's working for some but not all, is either confirmed or not by the data that you collect, Mm -hmm. and then you can use that information that you see in front of you as this launching pad for
1: coming up with what are your next steps, what are you going to do about it. That's actually one of the things I love about the PBIS tools, right, or the assessment tools, is that You know, we talk, I use this um, affectionate term I call heart data, right? Like we can have a lot of heart data that makes us feel (laughs) like what we're doing is really effective, right? And as a former principal and teacher, there is that actual like human element of kids sitting in front of you and watching something work for them. And it's so powerful, right? But when we try to make decisions as like a whole school-wide system or a whole district-wide system just based on that heart data that we don't have any other more quantitative data to back up, right, we can actually, you know, be moving a system in a whole direction, right, based on something that maybe was a really isolated, like it worked for this one student in this one class under these certain conditions versus it's working across an entire system. And here's how we have some data to back that up.
0: Yes, and that your feelings on the matter may not be the feelings of other adults in the building. So mm-hmm. it's just your experience, which is fully valid, but may not be reflective of the majority or even like allow you to see the smaller pockets of folks that aren't experiencing your school the way that you are. Mm. You know? absolutely. Um, so when you've got all of these data collected, Um, And you sit down to look at them. Where do you even start? Because it can feel a little like daunting, you know, to look at it all and be like, where do I, which do you start with a specific survey? Do you start with like a big question and then start using data to inform that question? How do you start those conversations?
2: I think Megan, you know, I think one of the things that we try to do is go back again to that aim, right, and say, what are we, what are we trying to accomplish with with action planning, uh-huh. you know, and make sure we have the right data for that moment, um, and then being really mindful too of of having some good, you know, sometimes pretty basic data protocols just to get folks to look at the data and really and really reflect on what does the data say. First, right? Like, what, what is our TFI score? Which items are we, you know, are we fully implementing in? Which items have we not fully implemented?
0: So when you're talking about data protocols, what do you mean?
2: You know, I, I think, you know, even some real basic ones about, you know, just like noticings and wonderings and just having folks look at data and asking them to stay at a real literal level first, right? And say, what is it that the data actually show? Um, You know, I think we're all, you know, that we, we all have these, these biases that where we try to read the data to say.
0: <laughs> to confirm they, something they, about yeah. us, yeah.
2: Yeah, to confirm our, our already held, strongly held beliefs oftentimes. Mm-hmm. So if we, you know, if we take a minute to step back and we say, hey, we're really going to ask everybody just to report on the specific things you see. And using some sentence that was like, I see or the data show, uh, I think mm-hmm. can be helpful yeah. um, for that. I also think sometimes we have to prime folks to to read the data. Um, You know, and I I think one of the things too, as as educators and as a white educator, I'm primed to see the world through my experiences, right? And so I I think oftentimes before we look at data around around equity or um, the experience of others, we need to get folks in a mindset where they have done a little bit of work on reflecting on their own identity and how that's shaping what they're seeing. So mm-hmm. they know to look outside mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, sometimes we can use those tools. Um, we can use, you know, the the uh, FIS or look at our, our data. Um, but it's helpful too to to call those things out and, and for folks to come up with that mindset that, hey, my experience is my experience and it's not the experience necessarily that my students and families have. And so I gotta be willing to, to look at the data in a different way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I put that into this bucket, too, of that there are student, you know, there are student needs that are going to come out in your data. There are staff needs that are going to come out in your data. And then there are those structural needs, that kind of um, organizational need at your yeah. school. Right. And so I, I appreciate what Luke is saying in terms of you also have to be primed to look for the things that you may not necessarily notice firsthand off looking um because you're looking through a certain lens right so when you're trying to look across multiple data sets if you're if you're used to queuing into a particular yes. piece mm-hmm. right you need to be aware what those other pieces are um you know i think also when i'm when i'm working with site teams and often we're doing that goal setting at the beginning of the year in those groups right we we are supporting te- uh, teams in looking again at those areas of need, right? First, acknowledging the areas where they're doing well, but then looking at those areas of need and trying to identify the areas of need across all those different um, types that I was just referring to, right? So then making, then establishing which of these needs is the most important, mm-hmm. right? Or the most necessary to move forward with, because you know, I was sitting with a team earlier this school year and um, they just had a change of administration and they've been doing really great work, but it felt over and over again, like they were restarting, 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 Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think for them, it was, what are a couple of areas that you feel like, you know, if you've got a lot of zeros and ones on a TFI, right? What are a couple of areas that you can put in place this year that are going to, provide the biggest impact to your school and that also are going to stick, right? Don't try to impact every single one of these areas. Do two things and do two things well, Mm -hmm. right? Do two things with a, a strong level of fidelity that are going to have big wins at your school, either with your staff or with your students or those structural pieces. Like maybe it's just, you've got all your expectations and you've never, put signage up to make sure that it's really public. Like that's a structural big win Mm -hmm. that then that is a launching point for communication with your families and communication with your, you know, your school community and your, and your students specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, I think that we, um, when we're going through this process, right. We want to make sure that our teams, uh, that our teams feel supported in in deciding on only a couple of changes too. Yeah. And that they yeah. don't feel like they need to do 10 things this year. Yeah,
0: yeah. because yeah. as you go down the rabbit hole of looking at your data, you start to look at like, oh, well, then that means this thing could also change and we could then do this thing over here. And what if we had the, the other team work on this part of it also? And you start to really get Overwhelmed by the amount of things that you can do because there's always something to do. I think that's really smart to encourage people just to pick one or two things and do them really well. And also, like you said, really make them stick. That no matter what happens with turnover or a new administrator or whatever. That these are going to be the, this is the way that we do business in our, in our building and everybody gets it and we're all on board with it. And it's, this is the thing that's going to last moving forward.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I I think too, that, you know, a good place where coaching can be really valuable is, you know, coming in and sitting with the team and, and being there with them, you know, and and being able to, the, the guide teams to those quick wins, but also sometimes the the, the right next move, you know, from, from a PBIS perspective, one of the things you know, the TFI has, has 15 tier one items, you know, and if a school hasn't defined their school-wide expectations, that's probably, you know, they probably need to do that before they start thinking about teaching or acknowledging, right? Let's, let's yeah. yeah. If it's not defined, it's hard to teach. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. You know, we getting those things in place too, before they really do too much data analysis, because, you know, you can, you can do all kinds of wild data analysis and figure out where the problems are. But if you have no system for for teaching and acknowledging and, and responding, you know, what is your data going to tell you? It's going to tell you that you need to put those things in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think that coaching piece can really be helpful. Oh yeah.
0: Coaches are incredibly valuable. It's like this role that leads to sustaining implementation, mm-hmm. like, and just taking things to a deeper place where they actually do stick long-term. A coach is incredibly useful. So, you're starting to look at like, what do you notice? What do the data show you? What do you see? Looking for these bigger system, maybe system level types of things that you could take a closer look at. How do you start to go a little bit, just a little bit deeper and to make those connections between data sources even or or looking at disaggregating some of your data by demographic groups, let's say. How do you start to, to kind of get really more, a little more specific um, so that the solutions that you're talking about are really targeted in ways that, you know, affect the change that you wanna see.
1: I think, you know, for us, one of the biggest pieces has been, especially at our sites that are implementing at high levels, is really looking at uh, desegregated uh, student behavior data, student perception data, because for for us, it's then thinking about is the, is this high level of implementation that we have is at a school, is that working for all kids in the same way? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that's always when we first start thinking about where do we disaggregate is looking at, are there gaps for any particular student group, um, in, in how their experiences at a school, mm-hmm. or are there gaps in, um, what their outcome data is showing us, right? Or are there gaps in, you know, how we're responding to their behavior Mm -hmm. in in both ways, right? We have sites that are tracking, um, acknowledgements in the same way that they're tracking, um, in the same way that they're tracking, you know, behavioral challenges. And so for us, it's like, are we acknowledging at the same rate across all student mm-hmm. groups? Are we consequenting at the same rate across all student groups or redirecting? What is that looking like? Uh, I think can lead to some rich conversations um, and then be a good place to go back to the what Luke was talking about earlier of, you know, why is that that this particular student group, right, is, is having this challenge? Mm-hmm. We've seen that really, in particular, um, even with how um, how boys are experiencing our systems in comparison to how girls are experiencing our systems, and then within within those gender roles, right? How um, how different uh, races and ethnicities or ability levels, right, are also having different outcomes. So it's it's really interesting to look at it across a variety of different ways, and then also say, okay, now are those behavioral ways and those is that matching like what we're seeing in terms of achievement data and other things at that school it's very interesting to look yeah right
2: yeah you know, i was thinking about too with that and, and how much you know how much of this work starts before action planning so all of the work that you know that the schools that hun talking about had to do before they sat down in that moment just to to make sure that that they were aligned in their values of what they were trying to accomplish and then doing some of the the nuts and bolts stuff of making sure their data can provide that kind of information. I was just thinking about an example from, from our agency where we've been looking at our staff climate and we do this really really solid staff climate survey and we get it and we say, ah, we we have, you know, 90% of our folks are, are, are pretty engaged, right? Or whatever the, the actual data point is. Uh-huh. And that wasn't really enough data to really do any action planning, right? That just kind of tells us generally do we have a problem, yes or no. And, you know, when we think about when we come back together, what is the information we need to know to make a good decision? And, and we needed to know, like, who was feeling engaged, right? Sure. <laughs> And what, what is it about them that, that may be leading to that? So we start to ask questions around, You know, are these folks, um, when they're responding, are they in a, in a classroom? Because we're a large agency and some of our staff are in classrooms and a lot of them aren't. So we see differences there because that's two different solutions, right? If we see that our folks in our classrooms are less engaged then we need a classroom intervention, right? If we see that our folks in the office are less engaged then we need, an office intervention and and really thinking about that early on, um, you know what, what are the data that are going to be helpful from from a problem solving. perspective. I
0: think so much of uh, what we always come back to when we're talking about using data to inform your decisions is this uh, sense of wanting to know more about the people within your community, whatever, if you're at your, you know, your regional office, your district office, your school, whatever, the people that are most affected by the work that you're doing, you want to know more about them and what their experience is, not just that they have an experience, you want to know who they are. And so being able to break apart your data and to look at, like you were saying, you get your the total score back. And you say 90% of our people are doing just great. So we must be doing just great. But then if you, you want to know more about, well, who isn't and what is their experience? And you got to know who those people are in order to address their need. You can't just take it as like, we have to take a whole system approach because really things are going pretty well, but they may not be going so great for specific folks. And you're never going to reach them if you don't know who they are. And I'm not talking about like, knowing specifically that Luke has an issue and I need to go talk to Luke about it. I'm talking like broad strokes, the demographic or the uh, the professional role, or like you were saying, the location of where things are going right or wrong um, is also incredibly useful in order to know what it is that you need to do, if anything. You know, Being able to break all of those data apart is, the more that I learn from folks like you, the more that I, I just keep coming back to that as, something that we have to be doing more of. And like you were both saying, understanding what your lens is when you look at the information and that you personally will see one thing
1: when someone else will see something else. Yeah, that kind of goes back to that, you know, the, the saying of like, our, our system is perfectly designed to get the results it's getting, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when you were sharing that, it's like, you really do have to think about, right? who who is our system not working for and so regularly in the action planning process part of your action step is probably to do more of a systems investigation right especially as you start to get to kind of some different levels of implementation where you're not where you're not so much looking at implementation data as much as you're looking at outcome data as a result of your implementation yes. mm-hmm. right and then now how is how is our implementation landing with all of the, you know, affecting or or impacting all of these different um, groups of people, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it be parents and guardians, or whether it be the students in in many different student groups, or whether it be the staff, right? So you kind of have to go in then and further investigate that. Um, Something we've been using quite regularly recently is um, conducting empathy interviews with students and staff and parents, Um, And what is that? Oh, oh, so what we, um, it's a tool that we're using kind of in this continuous improvement process. And essentially what we do is we have identified, you know, for for example, we're doing some math improvement work, right? (laughs) going to be on a different podcast about math improvement work, (laughs) but um, we, uh, we wanted to know, right. How is, how is uh, the user experiencing math? right? So how are students experiencing math instruction and their mindsets about math? And so a team of folks went out and actually interviewed kids. Yeah, just ask and them. Just ask <laughs> them, right? Had one-on-one conversations with them and then, and, and had some Similar questions, right? But then you can do follow up and you can gain more understanding. Yes, right. And did the same thing for uh, staff and the same thing for parents. And it's just so incredible to be able to then look for like what are things that are trends amongst all the students we're talking to. And mm-hmm. um, but then also, or all the staff or all the parents. Then what are also things that we're seeing as trends across those different groups Mm -hmm. right and how can Mm -hmm. we how can that be kind of that that greatest first step is to impact that trend that we know is going to impact all those groups
2: Mm -hmm. I think that you know that goes back to that you know that that same logic we use in Swiss right it's like the who what when where why questions right and when we're when we do school-wide behavior work we, we we can get that why through Swiss but once we step out of that We don't always have those same so same tools right and so doing those interviews or or just following a student through their day, um, Mm -hmm. you know, at some point. um, Han and I have have two young children, but we'll have to navigate the school or like the the college and admission process right and. That's a complex process, and if we were trying to support somebody through that now, we'd have no idea, right? So we'd have to go and, and watch and make note of the process and how complex that is and, mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. take the time to come up with um, a stance of learning and a, a humility and say, I'm going to go dive into this and understand what, what is the experience like for those that I serve so that I can yes. better understand where the barriers are and yeah. what i can do to help
0: yeah and i think that there are surveys that you yeah. know we can ask folks to take that provide us with that initial idea like you were saying with these what, did you call them empathy interviews yes they're called yeah so um it's like it's like that with these like the climate survey or mm-hmm. the fis like just getting these initial perceptions and trying to understand like what is the the broad stroke experience of folks across the board and then within groups and then from there doing some more like targeted things like pulling together a focus group or of families or Students at a certain grade level, or whatever it is, like a some some characteristic that you identify as some as a group that you want to know more specific information about, and making maybe building that in as part of your action plan, like we're going to do this thing based on these data, and then we're going to come back and revisit, like what are the steps that they tell us that they would like to see?
1: Yeah, I uh, I think it's you know you're making a plan to plan. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you do a lot of that, right? Yeah, that's that iteration, that iterative cycle of, of um, continuing to grow, right, and continuing to grow your implementation, continuing to track and monitor and support mm-hmm. um, staff in, you know, kind of their own implementation journeys. I mean, it's, it's a process.
0: Yeah, and there's so many people involved in that process. So it's yeah. ongoing. So when, so what are some places you've seen teams during their discussion just kind of get hung up where they just kind of can't move forward or they spend a lot of time looking at something? Or what are some mistakes that you've seen some teams make and how do you help them overcome
1: that in the moment? You know, I think about um, teams... <sighs> I think we as educators are doers and we're problem solvers and we're in a helping profession you know and uh-huh. so we want to we want to solve problems quickly right and it's almost something we have to break <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause you have to get to a space of like, do we have all of the um, information in front of us to, to take a next step before we gather more information. Mm-hmm. Right? So sometimes one of the biggest things I see is people jumping quick to one solution and then immediately solution. like mm-hmm. diving exactly like full on diving in before they really realize, like, is this solu- the solution that we really need?
2: And actually, the actual problem right,
1: like, I have. PBIS, though, is, and through kind of that TFI and that goal-setting process that we've done, it, it helps people flex that muscle of not just jumping right to solution because it gives you those five why questions, right, that you're, um, or, I mean, your five d- W. Mm-hmm. yeah five w questions. thank you yeah. um that you're gonna ask in before you jump right to a solution mm-hmm. like have we narrowly defined our problem enough to actually come up with a solution action that would benefit mm-hmm. that you know or could make an impact there mm-hmm. so jumping to solutions is something that yeah, i've yeah. definitely seen a lot of um yeah. or just getting stuck in that um getting stuck in that idea generation process too, where like you, now you've come up with so many things that you're not sure where to start. Yeah. With um, and so sometimes it's okay. Pick something right. And it seems <laughs> kind of contrary to what I just said, but sometimes it's like, just pick one small thing and give it a try. So, okay. So for teams that are
0: currently in the process of collecting some survey data, I've heard some things from both of you at Um, during our conversation here that I think are really useful um, around what they could be doing right now to collect the information that they're going to need when they sit down to talk about action plans. One of the things that I think I will take away from this is knowing in advance what it is that you're going to need in order to make those decisions. So don't just send out a link for students to take the climate survey but also but recognize that they like when you when you do that who is it that you're inviting to take it and why are you doing it so that when you sit down to look at those data you have some you have a foundation for looking at them moving forward um, what do you recommend folks can do to ensure that they have those perspectives from their school that might encourage them to take those surveys or to participate in this process that the team has what they need to move forward in their action plan?
1: So just being really transparent with folks about how you plan on using the information, I think that is a great place to start and will um, make a lot more impact when they are filling out that survey, if they yeah. know how it's going to be used.
0: Yeah. It's not just going into the ether for, yeah. and it's also not going to be used as some sort of punishment or accountability or something like that.
2: Yeah, and I, I think too, you know, going, in you know, a lot of our conversation today, we've talked about, you know, kind of really thinking about the, the experience of others and like mm-hmm. using our empathy to like drive leadership. And I think too, thinking about how, like, what is the friction that exists for somebody to take that survey? You know everybody's is quite busy in education right now, right? And you know, is is there a way we can remove some of that friction? Can we take uh-huh. some staff meeting time? 10 minutes, everybody take, you know, let's take the survey, let's let's get that done. You know, and, and so really just removing barriers. Um, you know, and the last thing too that just kind of fun with surveys is Anytime we send something out, an email, and and, um, we've done some of this with our recognition process that we do in California, we have an opportunity to like test some things. So sometimes we will randomly assign, you know, half of our emails to go out at one time and half of them to go out at another time and say, did we see a difference? Or,
1: you
2: know, if we provide more reminders to that one half of the email list, will we see greater, um, you know, a, a greater hit rate?
0: I like that, though, because it's it's really trying to refine the way that you communicate with the people that are affected with your community, you know, and that maybe your way of communicating with students is not effective and you could improve upon it or the way that you've you've set up communication channels for families really does work. And so it's really trying to figure out how is it that we're engaging people and in Um, in a way that makes them feel like they want to contribute um, honestly and openly Mm -hmm. to this thing that we've asked them to participate in. I think that's great. Well, that's all I've got, but I really appreciate you guys, again, just taking the time to talk through some of this stuff. I think that the ways that we can prepare for what's coming and uh, take the time to use the information we collect to inform our practices is always useful and you guys are masters at it. So I really, I really appreciate you taking the time.